I, as I was preparing for this, I was saying, God, is there any chance we can finish the fourth chapter in one day? There's so many important verses. <laughs> so many important verses. So we ended the last chapter with, um, <coughs> so Arjuna asked, you know, by what is uh, one impelled acts inappropriately, as if forced? And Krishna says, uh, it's lust only. And uh, then he says where it's situated, right? In different in the senses, and um, and one has. But he ends the last verse by saying one should uh, have a steady mind by deliberate spiritual intelligence, meaning that one has to be full of knowledge. So therefore, the next chapter is about transcendental knowledge. Um, and so this is the first time we hear in the Gita Krishna talking about himself. Uh, so it begins with Krishna um, saying that he instructed the imperishable science of yoga to the sun god Vivishwan and Vivishwan instructed it to Manu, the father of mankind, and Manu in turn instruct, instructed it to Ishvaka. So here's a little bit of the history of the parampara. Of the parampara, you know what that means? Parampara it means like one yeah, after it's another. Like passing down. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't know if I told you the story, but I really got a realization about parampara when I went to the Vatican. Yeah, Did I say that? that? I told you that story. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so because you see the tombs of the different popes, yeah. and you see, and also I remember in in Rindavan once, um, in Prabhupada's quarters, they had uh, maybe they were just storing them there, but they had the mortis, the statues of uh, Prabhupada, Bhakti Siddhanta, Gorakishor Das Babaji Maharaj, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Gorakishor Das Babaji Maharaj, you know, full size, and I, that was a similar experience. You know, there was only five of them. You know, just seeing them all in a row like that yeah. gave that uh, and, and that's what Krishna is going to say in the next verse, he's going to say that uh, he's going to, this is the verse that's all about parampara because it says evam parampara praptam this supreme science was thus received to the chain of disciplic succession and the saintly kings understood it in that way but in due course of time the succession was broken and therefore the science as it is appears to be lost and Prabhupada writes in the purport that um, Bhagavad Gita accepted as it is is a great boon to humanity. But if it is accepted as a treatise of philosophical speculations, it is simply a waste of time. Oh, and I just realized something. My printer didn't print these things out properly. Oh, boy. Okay, we'll figure something out. Um, so... Uh, in these first two purports, Prabhupada talks a lot about commenting on the commenting on the Bhagavad Gita mm-hmm. and who can do it and who can't. It especially comes up in the next verse. Um, but he's basically saying if you don't accept it, like in the in the uh, introduction to the Gita, Srila uh, Prabhupada writes that we should at least theoretically, while we're reading the Gita, theoretically accept that Krishna is God. And then you you'll get something out of the book. But if you just accept it, you're very down on a scholar who just would you know oh this is very interesting and they you know write about it, but not with the same kind of uh, conviction that a, a a devotee has. And this is something that uh, is not new. It's found in um, in any study of especially of religion that there's scholars and then there's you know. Then there's lay people, and then there's scholars who themselves are practitioners, mm-hmm. right? And uh, 
you know, the, the scholarly world of Hinduism has had to make room in the past two decades for devotees who then want make some room, you want to shift? Yeah. Um, who have become, you know, because of uh, the work, especially of Shonaka Rishi Prabhu. There's more chairs? There's folding chairs. Okay. Um, now, devotees, um, like, like for example, um, Radhika Raman Prabhu is the world expert on Srila Jiva Goswami and the philosophy of Vaishnava is because he has a PhD from Oxford. And then all these devotees who have gotten master's degrees and PhDs from Oxford have become practicing devotees and scholars. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy path to take because uh, there's a, it's a different process, practically speaking. One's ascending, one's descending, you could say. Um, but like Krishna Shetra Maharaj is another good example. And... Uh, others so um, so therefore in the third verse that very ancient science of the relationship did someone join? no I was here sorry oh no problem but we have do you want a book? you want a book? Want, oh, there's uh, hundreds back there yeah we have <laughs> Just a couple of thousand. Just, you know, the second verse it says that the chain of specific succession is through saintly king. Right. Yeah. So like, it's not like through ascetics or, you know, it's not like... Well, okay, that's a good question and it comes up in the purport. Uh, where is it? Can someone find it quickly? Uh, okay, first sentence. It is clearly stated that the Gita was especially meant for the saintly kings because they were to execute its purpose in ruling over citizens. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, uh, the Gita was spoken to a Chatriya and previously to a Chatriya also, right? Ikshvaku, uh, and Manu and uh, Vivishwan. And um, so even for us, right, the Gita is a... introduction to bhakti then the more details about bhakti we find in the bhagavatam and other such books right so this was yeah because they were supposed to um uh, yeah here it says ruling over the citizens and execute the instructions of the gita okay yeah so then who should understand the gita how should you understand it um is mentioned here bhaktosime sakacheti the third line of this uh, third verse. That very ancient science of the relationship with the Supreme is today told by me to you because, why? You're my devotee as well as my friend and can therefore understand the transcendental mystery of this science. So it's, that's what's so hard for, um, for scholars you know, who aren't devotees to understand that it's a, it's a uh, rahasyam it's a secret, and it's revealed, and not just by academic acumen, but actually by practice, by sadhana, by um, by acting in faith. And and so therefore, that's why Srila Prabhupada, in all three of these purports, is kind of critical of those who claim to be experts on the Bhagavad Gita, but aren't following the instructions within and taking he gives the example of licking the outside of the jar of honey right 
So, uh, so that's tricky for us. Uh, and, but we have to know these books so well. That's that's what we should do, gradually, because otherwise we could come off as sentimentalists, right? That, you know, um, that oh, we just chant and we dance, but you know, I remember when I was a, I was a new devotee. This was 1979, and I was doing, um, oh, like, no, 78, so I was, you know, I've been a devotee about a year and a half, and I was doing Parikrama in Vrindavan by myself, walking around the 11 kilometers around Vrindavan. So I uh, ran into one of Srila Prabhupada's godbrothers at that time, and I was talking to him, and he was talking to me, and so he tested me, he said, so tell me a... Uh, a Bhagavatam shloka. So I started, <laughs> oh, no. so I started reciting the Gita ones, right? And he said, no, no, Bhagavatam. No. And I got real nervous, and I, oh, I don't know. I did know Bhagavatam verses, but I got so nervous that, um, I, you, know, you know, I got flustered because he, because I was quoting all these Bhagavad Gita verses. You know, no, 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 Bhagavatam. Like that. So unfortunately, I didn't uh, represent Prabhupada very nicely at that, that instance. Um, but we should... Uh, know these uh, well. And then we can talk to even a scholar who may not have the same kind of faith that we have in a, uh, you know, in a, uh, as equals I mean, on the intellectual level. But, um, but that, is a, uh, that is a challenge to be able to do that. Mm. Some are very good at though, you know, those people I mentioned, Rita and Marsh, another very good example. Um, and more. So, so this is uh, how am I going to do this without my without the first line? <laughs> it it it's really weird that it didn't print well. You didn't have it somewhere online, do you? That you could access it no, I have it on my computer, which is at home. Uh, okay. Um, let me see. Uh, accepted by all. Mm. There are a number of editions of this great book. This is in the purport. Some of them have commentaries by devotees, and some of them have commentary by demons. Commentation by the devotees is real, whereas that of the demons is useless. Arjuna accepted Krishna as the supreme personality of Godhead, and any commentary on the Gita following in the footsteps of Arjuna is real devotional service uh, to the cause of this great science. The demoniac, however, do not accept Lord Krishna as he is. Instead, they concoct something about Krishna and mislead general readers from the path of Krishna's instructions. So, um, you know, demons, we have, you know, sometimes at least those of us who are Westerners may have the idea of like horns coming out of their head and, you know, fangs and, you know, or whatever. So, uh, so that's obviously not what we mean here, and, and it can be misunderstood, but... Krishna's telling us, even in this very verse, how to understand, how to be, who's qualified to understand this. And then, and then a, a person who's not a devotee will read that and just say, oh, this is very interesting. Krishna said that you're supposed to be a friend and a bhakta. But a faithful person will read this, oh, I have to become uh, qualified as a bhakta in order to understand this properly. <laughs> so look at it from uh, two different ways. And it's not necessarily that, I mean, um, we were talking at lunch about this word, uh, asura, doesn't always mean, 
yeah, well, yeah, we use the word demon, but it doesn't necessarily mean a terrible person. It can mean uh, anyone who's not a devotee. It can mean that also, who might be a good person, you know, in the, you know, might walk old ladies across the street and all that sort of stuff, but is not a devotee, yes. Is it different than a rascal? Uh, well, it's funny, a rascal it, uh, is another interesting word, isn't it? Because, did we talk about this the other day? No. Because when we, rascal in English is a cute word. Yeah. Oh, you're such a little rascal. You know, you might say that with, but in India, it's a very heavy word. When Prabhupada would call people rascals, they got, like, wrong. especially, not so much when Prabhupada did, when his disciples would do it, um, you know, call the person, especially an older person older than, oh, you're such a you're rascal. <laughs> And they would get very, you know, you could think of some words in English that you might say to an older person that would really get them offended. We won't repeat any, right? Um, but rascal is a very heavy word in, in India. But in English, it's just like, you know, there's even, uh, uh, right, the little rascals, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I think there was even a, a music group called the Rascals. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different. It's playful. Yeah, it's playful. Yeah, yeah playful. Yeah. What Prabhupada meant rascal is one who doesn't know the purpose of life. He's a rascal. Yeah, so rascal is different in different contexts, like a lot of words. Yeah. Lecture of instruction, if I may just add to this, lecture of instruction, Prabhupada uh, elaborated in rascal. Oh, really? One, you know, who, for example, you know, if you steal something and you go to the jail, right? Mm-hmm. And some people understand that and don't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, quickly. Rascal is one, you know, who steals, goes to the jail, comes back and steals again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the food was better? The <laughs> Cost benefits. Cost benefits, yes, it does, yes. Yeah, if you have good investments, you know, they're going, they're, you're accumulating money while you're living free. <laughs> So, Arjuna has a doubt uh, in text 4, which is uh, very interesting. Of course, it's Prabhupada writes in the very first, I don't think, is anyone on this call? I don't think so. Um, in the very first sentence, he, he uh, asks this point, because Arjuna is a great devotee, but he asks this question. He says, the sun god Vivishwan is senior by birth to you. Right? Uh, in terms of when they appeared here in this world. How am I to understand that in the beginning you instructed this science to him? So Prabhupada writes in the purport that Arjuna is, ex- is an accepted devotee of the Lord, so how could he not believe Krishna's words? And then he goes on to say that he was asking those questions for the benefit of others. Right? It's just like sometimes we'll, if we give a public lecture, um, we'll plant a few questions. We'll have a few people in the audience. In case there's no question, you ask for questions and there's none, you need to get the ball rolling, so you ask some people to... They, don't, they know the answer, but they, you, know, they, you plant the uh, uh, question so that people can hear more. Mm-hmm. Prabhupada writes that, that, uh, that Krishna is the supreme authority, is accepted by the whole world. And not only at present, but from time immemorial. And the demons alone reject him. Anyway, since Krishna is the authority accepted by all, Arjuna put this question before him in order that Krishna would describe himself without being depicted by the demons 
who always try to distort him in a way understandable to the demons and their followers. So, um, and that's what we're going to hear now. So this was a great question. It was inspired by Krishna because now Krishna, for the first time in the Gita, is going to talk about himself. And so again, the point is coming up so many times in these. I think he doesn't mention it much after this, but um, just this point about who is qualified to understand the Gita. Bhakto sime sakacheti. Saka means friend, and bhakta means devotee. Yeah. Any thoughts? No? You guys are okay? All right. Okay, so now Krishna, uh, so now, uh, Krishna is going to speak. And he says, Many, many births, both you and I, have passed. I can remember all of them, but you cannot, O subduer of the enemy. And Prabhupada writes in the purport uh, that um, I'm trying to find these. See, I, <laughs> I don't this is really frustrating with these notes. Um, and my wife doesn't have a car to drive the, my computer over here, unfortunately. I can go and get it if you want. Would you mind? No, I She's home. Yeah. You know where I live, right? Yeah. Do you need a car? I have a car. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much, Ruth. Appreciate that. It's uh, it's upstairs, my computer. Okay, it's the you. Apple, not the, uh, not the PC. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, so in the purports, oh, this is, is this six? No, that's five. Okay. Um, Prabhupada writes that Krishna remembered acts. Can anyone find it? Because it's all blurred here. Krishna remembered acts which were performed by him millions of years before. Which purport? Five. <coughs> oh, here we are. But Arjuna could not, despite the fact that both Krishna and Arjuna are eternal in nature. He said they're both eternal. Krishna can remember, Arjuna could not. We may also note herein that a living entity forgets everything due to his change of body. But the Lord remembers because he does not change his Satchit Ananda body, his body made of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. Okay. Now, you can imagine that a person who's not familiar with Krishna consciousness could get easily like, what? Right? Because, okay, so Krishna doesn't change his body, but how come in your temple you have all these different avatars? Mm. Right? There's so many different forms of the Lord, but if he doesn't change, and you know, so it does take some explanation to, to understand this. You know, we may be by now accustomed to it, so for us, it's like, yeah, so what's the big deal? Right? <laughs> but to a person who's not familiar with it, they might say, well, you, it just says here the Christian doesn't change his body, but then why is he on the body of a boar and a tortoise and a half man, half lion and, and Ram and Krishna? Isn't that changing bodies? Right? So, it's, so you can understand how um, uh, it takes a lot of explanation to help someone who's not familiar with Krishna consciousness become a devotee and really understand the philosophy. Okay, so then uh, a little before. Therefore, the Lord and the living entity can never be equal in all respects, even if the living entity is as liberated as Arjuna. Although Arjuna is a devotee of the Lord, 
he sometimes forgets the nature of the Lord, but by the divine grace, a devotee can at once understand the infallible condition of the Lord, whereas a non-devotee or a demon cannot understand this transcendental nature. So I used to, I used to quote that song, I think from the 50s, to know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. <laughs> so one who uh, has some affection for the Lord and faith in the Lord, then they get knowledge. They get knowledge. So that's why uh, a common occurrence that used to happen a lot um, is, and happened to me also, is someone has, let's say, a group of friends, a Western devotee especially, a group of friends, and uh, that one of, and he, become, he or she becomes a devotee. And they're just reading this like, oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened. This is fantastic. You know, we, you know especially in the 70s, we've been talking about metaphysics and looking for a purpose in life. And we found, I found it, I found it. So you go to your friends, I found it, guys. All the things we've been looking for all this time, I found it. And they look at you like, you know, what drugs are you on? <laughs> right? <laughs> because, it, it, you know, it, it, didn't, it doesn't necessarily click um, in the same way. Um, <laughs> so in, oh, did I? So text six, we did, that was just five, right? Mm. So although I am unborn and my transcendental body never deteriorates, so I'm unborn, body never deteriorates, and although I am the Lord of all living entities, I still appear in every millennium in my original transcendental form. And here's the one where Srila uh, Prabhupada says, if someone, this is about four sentences down, if someone is asked what he did exactly at the same time one day earlier, it would be very difficult for a common man to answer immediately. Can anyone remember what you were doing at 2.30 yesterday? I was in school, and I, the bell just rang. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> and then I, I was heading to my bus. Oh, yeah? Okay, that's pretty good. I was in math regular. class taking a, taking a test. You were taking a test in math class. Okay, which, uh, which answer were you up to exactly at 2.30? <laughs> I was on the first one. <laughs> right. So, um, he would surely have to dredge his memory to recall what he was doing um, exactly at the same time one day earlier. And yet, men often dare to claim to be God or Krishna. Mm. One should not be misled by such meaningless claims. So this is Krishna, he can remember what he did an, a day ago, a year ago, uh, a kalpa ago, a day of Lord Brahma ago, like that. He has perfect recall. Mm. What is that? There was a movie, Total Recall? Ghost Recall? What? No. It's oh. So it's a, you know, they could remember everything. It's an older movie. It's an older, is it? I don't, I never saw that, I just remember the seeing the name. Okay, so now Krishna's going to start, so he's going to explain, because uh, he just said I, he appears every millennium in his original transcendental form. Okay, so the, what does he do? Whenever and wherever there is a decline in religious practice, O descendant of Bharata, and a predominant rise of irreligion, at that time I descend myself. Okay, so he comes to reestablish religion, and in the purport, Srila Prabhupada talks about um, 
Lord Buddha coming at a certain time to establish nonviolence, and um, and other things which my notes don't uh, <laughs> allow me to recall completely. But then in the next verse, it's uh, very significant. He says to deliver the pious and to annihilate the miscreants, as well as to reestablish the principles of religion. I myself appear millennium after millennium. And in the purport, um, Srila Prabhupada writes that the Lord, so, you know, the point about Vinashaya to Juskrikam, to annihilate the impious, he, Prabhupada writes, the Lord has many agents who are quite competent to vanquish demons, right? You know, there can be floods, there can be pestilence, there can be anything. So here's the real reason. But the Lord especially descends to appease his unalloyed devotees. Who are always being harassed by the demoniac. So that's the real thing, Krishna. Um, of all of Krishna's qualities, the, the most famous or the one that he is most attached to is Bhaktivatsala. Bhaktivatsala means one who is inclined or who loves his devotees. So he has so many qualities, but that's the one that shines out the most for him. Right? Um, so that's why he really comes. To, so here he's come in the form of Madame Mohan, Gornitai, and Sitaram Lakshman Hanuman. Yep. Right, Arjun? Right. So it's it's a, it's an important point because um, this this is a verse, these verses, these matter of fact, the verse before that. Uh, whenever and wherever there's declining religious principles. So the, in Mathura, uh, next to Vrindavan, the sign outside of the police station is this verse. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one, to annihilate the mystery. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty funny. At least when I was there, maybe they moved to, maybe they changed the sign now, but that's what it was when I was there. <laughs> So here, so eight, 8 is significant because um, Prabhupada and the previous Acharyas mentioned that the real point is Parichanaya Sadhuna. And, and of course, Dharma Sangsta Pranartaya means to reestablish the principles of religion. And of course, Lord Chaitanya did that especially by inaugurating Sankirtan, the chanting of the holy names. Some thoughts? In these two verses? The other day when I went to Mathura, I saw the sign saying, Krishna, the Hindu mythological god. Acha. <laughs> In Mathura outside. In Mathura. <laughs> <laughs> well, it could mean that they have a different definition of mythology, but... <laughs> yeah. well. I got my computer. Yeah. Thank you so much, Prabhu. Yeah, Prabhu. I realized after you left that you might not know which house was theirs. I do. <laughs> they're all they're all matching. We you were know? joking about it. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I. That <laughs> you were worried. Oh. <laughs> oh, I, uh, in verse in chapter uh, now I have all my quotes here. Um, it, Prabhupada writes in verse seven. It is not a fact that the Lord appears only on Indian soil. He can manifest himself anywhere and everywhere, and whenever he desire and whenever he desires to appear, 
in each and every incarnation, he speaks as much about religion as can be understood by the particular people under their particular circumstances. But the mission is the same, to lead people to God consciousness and obedience to the principles of religion. Sometimes he descends personally, sometimes he sends his bona fide representative in the form of his son or servant or himself in some disguised form. So this, so the obvious thing here, of course, is Jesus Christ um, didn't appear on Indian soil, and uh, a, a great messenger. What's that? Muhammad also did appear. Who? Muhammad. Oh, Muhammad. Yeah, right, right, right. And John yes. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I um. That's uh, Mormonism, right? Yeah. yeah. I was uh, actually they're really nice people. I um, I went to go see, talking about scholars. I went to go see um, Burke Rutford, who's written uh, a sociologist who's uh, lived in the ashram for some time, and uh, when he was going to UCLA, get his uh, PhD, and he teaches at Middlebury College in Vermont, and uh, I made the mistake of I was going to rent a car. I was staying at the Boston Temple. I was going to rent the car, and the town president, no, oh, you can take one of the temple vehicles. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> the real Yeah, well, <laughs> it broke down. It broke down. Um, luckily, right at an exit. So I coasted down the exit and was able to pull into this very small apartment contract, maybe like five or six houses. So I just knocked on somebody's door, mm. and it was a Mormon. And uh, I, it w I was in the town where he was born, Oh, John Smith. Yeah, yeah, in Vermont. So first of all, he said, he, I said, you know, explain what happened. He said, uh, you know, he drove me an hour to Burke's house. Wow. wow. Yeah, uh, but not. But first, he showed me the birthplace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he was preached to me the whole the time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was interesting. Wow. Yeah, but they're pretty young. They're many people. What's that? They're pretty many people. When I, was yeah. in, when I was in college, I used to go to the Mormon church close by. Yeah. Uh -huh. Amazing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just yeah. went to the visitor center they have here. They have like a big festival of lights. Sometimes. Did you see the lights yet? Yeah. 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 We went, my wife and I went last year. Yeah. 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 They really have it together, you know? Like, they really oh, have it together. Yeah. Ooh, they're really oh, organized. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had a nice, a very nice Mormon friend that Janard worked with yeah, in Rhode Island. Yeah, in Foster, and he, he used to do book distribution. Like, we had a lot, lot of talks about like preaching, and, but he's uh -huh. very subtle and very careful. Yeah, well, they, they, they are trained to uh, uh, respect all religions. Yeah. Yes. So when they see devotees, they're naturally respectful. Yeah. yeah. So they're, they're very nice. Parts of their philosophy are, are really not um, in line with Shastra. <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically, you become like a Brahma, you know. And, uh, and actually, one time, the, um, the girls from the Gurukula went to uh, Utah and uh, visited the center there. So they, they took them on a group tour. And so they were explaining the philosophy that, you know, you go basically to heaven um, with your family. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the young ladies, you know, probably about your age, guys, you know, so they were saying, um, in what body do they <laughs> go? In other words, like you say, you, you, your grandparents are there. So is it, it your grandparents, like a 90-year-old grandparents? Or are they 60? Or are they 30? You know, and, and, and how does it work? Because the body, you know, is in the ground, right? And it's, you know, and after about four questions, they just, they actually, uh, the Mormon person said this tour is over. 
You know, the girls were, you know, sincerely asking, but they were so trained in, in Krishna conscious philosophy. Yeah. So it's an example of really good people, good hearted people, not fully the complete philosophy. Mm. That's putting it, yeah. <laughs> I had a situation like that with my future sister in law, soon to be sister in law. She's Seventh day Adventist. Uh-huh. And I was engaging like in conversation, and I was asking her some like lots and lots of questions. I was genuinely curious. I wasn't trying to right. find flaws, and um, yeah, she got upset. She got really upset, and she said, "What is it that you want? Like, what is it that you want from me?" And it's so funny because I, after I realized that devotees love to talk about like Krishna consciousness, yeah. like we love to like if you ask devotees lots and lots of questions, it's a way to really connect with them. Right. And that's what I was trying to do with her. I was really trying to connect with her. Was she? And it and she actually got really upset. Very insecure. Yeah. yeah. Most of them are vegetarians. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and she's lovely. She's really lovely, and she really loves God. And but I was surprised by that reaction. It really helped me understand that that might not be the best way to connect with mm. everyone. That just because devotees like to talk about Krishna consciousness. Yeah, people. I mean, there's a uh, play, the Book of Mormon. Yeah. You know, that oh, is, yeah. it's a, quite a disrespectful spoof mm. on it. You know, um, I guess they made it big enough so they get spoofed on Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but uh, but I don't think I don't think devotees would spoof something like that, even if we don't, even if we really see some flaws in in parts of the philosophy that we wouldn't uh, be that kind of. Um... Yeah, you don't want to discourage people, right? Yeah, well, Prabhupada once said that. Prabhupada once said that. Um, he said, if you speak to a uh, person who's practicing Christianity, and if you only point out the flaws in the philosophy, but don't. Uh, but and they don't accept Krishna consciousness. But you, he said, then you've done a disservice because yeah. they've lost faith in their path. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to follow Krishna's path. So yeah, so it's yeah. problematic. So yeah. we're not just uh, but, you know. Uh, but but <clears throat> devotees do uh, you know criticize Advaita you know Mahavat. Yes. Common. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now that is there's a reason behind that. Um, because most of these faiths, are, you know, especially Christianity, have at least some understanding of of, of a theistic. Um, but the reason that uh, devotees or Prabhupada and and his guru were down on Advaitism, if that's a word, uh, is because it's offensive to Krishna. That to, you know, to say God is dumb, deaf, mute, has no feelings. You know, we have all those things, but God, mm. nothing. So that's actually, so uh, my even Lord Chaitanya said, Mayavadi Krishna Aparade. Mm-hmm. Mayavadi is like a walking offender yeah. for that purpose. And, and in, other time, in other places, sometimes Srila Prabhupada would even go as far as to say, better to be a sense gratifier, just an all-out, eat, drink, be merry, party till you puke, you know. Kind of sorry, <laughs> then to be a Mayavadi. Wow. Yeah. Now that now we are respectful of impersonalists. Okay. Tell me the difference. Okay. Basically, in a nutshell, an impersonalist is a rare person who understands who understands that Krishna's body is is eternal. That that's kind of the way it's defined, but somehow is more attracted to the impersonal feature, oh, I see, I see. but is not offensive to Krishna. Gotcha. There's a big difference. 
Yeah. And therefore, like when the four Kumaras, they might have been impersonalists, um, but then when they got a, uh, a whiff of the Tulsi fleet, you know, they, they came in contact with Bhakti. So that person is mentioned, we're going to get to that in the ninth, ninth chapter, seventh chapter. Um, uh, the, uh, the impersonalist who is not, an off- is not offensive, it's sometimes they're like dry grass, you put a match to it, because they basically don't have, they understood and understand that sense gratification is not where it's at, and they're detached. So then when they hear about Krishna. So jnani. So yeah, it's like a paka jnani. Yeah, a real jnani. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And Krishna will even say that he'll say that there's four kinds of people that come to him. Right? And the last, uh, the inquisitive, the desire of wealth, the uh, distressed person, the afflicted person, and then the jnani or the person who's seeking knowledge of the absolute. And that person's most dear to Krishna. Because... Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly. So, unless you're fortunate like these guys, you know, to be born bhaktas, right? They were born devotees. That's why we're so fortunate to have them in the class. They're actually very elevated. Sometimes they're wise. I told you that story, right, that uh, my son and the devotee was giving class, and he said, you know, one who thinks that their place of worship, place of birth is worshipable, that's one of the, that's a maya, right? You know, to... To, to think that this body is oneself, to, uh, and, what is it? To go to a holy place, but only take that. And Boma Ijadi, to think one's place of birth is worshipful. So my son raises his hand. He said, What if you're born in Vrindavan? Wise <laughs> 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 guy. <laughs> Um, and now, just we'll just read this because it's going to come up in uh, the 16th verse, the 14th verse. The higher principles of religion begin with the acceptance of the four orders and the four statuses of social life, as will be explained later. The whole purpose... Okay, so here he's talking about what's called Varna Ashram. Okay, Varna is the four Varnas, Brahman, Chatriya, Vaishya, Sudra. Ashrams, Brahmachari, Grihasta. What's the next one? It's a brahmachari grihasta. Vanaprastha. And then? The last one? The, the guys with the sticks? What? Sanyas. <laughs> Sanyas. Sanyas. Yes. Right, right, right. So, so here it's important to say it begins. So just the, the idea was that that was such a nice culture. Now, of course, we know it's gone crazy wrong in India today with everything being based on birth, right? But the Varnashram system was based on guna and karma, which we're going to hear about in a minute, but uh, qualities and one's inclinations. And one wasn't better than the other either, because they, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, only the head is important and the legs aren't important. Right? It's no fun not having legs. Or what's speak is no fun not having arms. Or not having a belly, uh, and you can't die, you're not going to, you know, all of them, you, they had to cooperate. So the idea that society was cooperative, it wasn't competitive, it wasn't uh, everyone's just trying to climb the ladder of success, because for everyone who makes it to the top of the ladder, I don't know how many people, but there's thousands who are down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. right? So the idea was people found what they were like to do, found what they were good at, 
they did that as an occupation. And then with all that free time, not trying to just, you know, beat out the Joneses or whatever, uh, they practiced spiritual life. So it's a very nice thing. But it was only the beginning. That's why it says here, um, the whole purpose of the mission of incarnations is to arouse Krishna consciousness. So, okay, that may be helpful for peaceful life, but Krishna consciousness is really the transcendental process. Mm. But we use Daivi Varnash, we, we engage it in Krishna's service. Right? So we have devotees who are unmarried, and, you know, we have brahmacharis, we have prihastas, people who are married. Um, and then usually after the age of 50 or so, one's vanaprasa, that means no, they're not going to have any more children. And they start becoming more renounced. Then, if uh, if it works out, then, then there can be sannyas also, where one renounces everything and dedicates himself completely to the Lord. Any thoughts on that? Because it's going to come up a little later. So, what's the um, basic difference between one nashama and daivi nashama? Daivi Varnashrama is with Krishna as the goal. And Varnashrama is It's even called Asuric Varnashrama sometimes. Because it's just it's just peaceful society, but no spiritual uh, purposefulness. So why, 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 why uh, Prabhupada wanted to establish that? He wanted to establish Daivi Varnashrama, where everyone, all, everyone was serving Krishna. He especially, he saw that the devotees living, were living in the cities. And again, remember, this is the 70s. Everyone was a teenager or 20-somethings, even young 20-somethings. And, you know, they were trying to, like, you know, give up everything because there was no one living outside working, a, you know, a job. Um, everyone lived in the temple. And, you know, they were struggling like anything. So he basically said... Okay, unless you're like fully absorbed in service in the city, let's create some farm communities and practice, you know, some at least some semblances of well, practice varnashram there, and you can live peacefully. You know, the contaminations of city life. We have kind of like the best of both worlds here. Yeah. Right, because we're out. Um, you know, we're probably the only owners of cows within a few miles, but. Uh, <laughs> But it's very peaceful. It's very it's like yeah. the country, and practically speaking. Like but the city's you know twenty minutes away. Or, yeah. yeah. I think well, doesn't it say like Kaliyuga Sanyas is like abolished or whatever. Yes. So what's your problem? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's generally abolished, but that's not uh, devotional um, sannyas. because Lord Chaitanya himself took sannyas. Um, uh, so, uh, yes, generally there's there's a list of different things that are um, not allowed in Kali Yuga. What's the difference between like Vanaprastha and Sanyas? Oh, Vanaprastha one's generally still with one's wife. They, like, they, the ide- ideal, ideally you, you travel to the whole, you, ideally, okay. I mean, let, well, let's say ideally, but with a modern twist, sure. okay. So ideally you worked uh, either put money aside or you work a job that has a good pension so you're not worried about finances right you're not living it up you're not buying mercedes but you know you have enough to get by and then you visit the holy places or in in iskan you absorb yourself more in seva or in sharing christian consciousness with others 
and uh, but there's not you know there's you know there's no more sex life and there's no more no more children Oops. and no more phones. <laughs> Henry, I'm just giving you a class now. Can I call you a little later? Um, uh, but you're with you're still with your wife, and then sannyas. There's actually four stages of sannyas. The first one is you you live you move outside to the edge of the village, and your wife or the village people can still bring you food. <laughs> then there's uh, and the next one I can't remember exactly what happens. And the next one is called Pari Brajakacharya, where one's traveling and spread and teaching others about Krishna. And then Paramahamsa is the topmost one, where one is really detached from this world completely by being fully absorbed in service to Krishna. Mm. But it is a good point because Lord Chaitanya actually took the only sannyasa that was available at his time was Mayavadi sannyasa. So he took sannyasa from him in the Mayavadi line, but of course he um, he made the uh, his, you could say he made his guru a devotee. You know, <laughs> purified his life. Yes, it's actually. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact details, but when Keshavarchi told him his, gave him the mantra, Lord Chaitanya repeated it. And by Lord Chaitanya repeating it, he was kind of initiating Keshavarchi. <laughs> like that. Um, but yes, so, and, and it's also a warning. It's not an easy thing to do, to be a sannyasi in this age. Right, right, right. You know, Prabhupada writes about um, uh, Ajamil, that uh, in the sixth canto of the Bhagavatam, that he uh, he saw a two a man and a woman embracing, and it was such an unheard of thing that it just made this impression in his mind, and he couldn't stop thinking about it. And that's when he he was a really good brahmana, but he fell down from that. Uh, and then Prabhupada writes in the purport that. Um, a devotee in the Western countries sees that every five minutes. Mm. <laughs> he sees it. I know. I think he said on every street corner. I think was the uh, was the uh, was the word. Mm. So it is. Uh, one has to really be um, absorbed in service to Krishna mm. to uh, to maintain that. I remember that it, we did Krishna lunch at University of Florida, and it's like summer all year there, you know, and twen- all college kids. And I remember there, a devotee came, like a senior devotee, and he said, this is not a place for brahmacharis. Yeah. Well, that was a line from, that was actually, uh, they stole that from Prabhupada. He, he uh, in 1968, the devotees uh, arranged a mantra rock concert. Mm. And they had some famous, very famous, Jefferson Airplane and uh, Moby Grape, and a um, few other, I mean, like, really well-known. Janis Joplin. Yeah, Janis yeah, Joplin, yeah, yeah, like, really, like... Grateful Dead. Grateful Dead, yeah. that's right, Grateful Dead, yeah. <laughs> Grateful Dead, right. Um, and so Prabhupada went to the thing, and he chanted Hare Krishna. He actually had Alan Ginsberg also chant. Um, and then as he was leaving, he turned to the devotees, and says, this is no place for a problem. <laughs> 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 <That's funny. laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they would put like drugs in the drinks. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, there was all kinds of stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. It was it was the summer of love they called it, mm. which was not real. Which you know it, it's um, glorified sometimes in the media, but it, there was a lot of suffering, mm. a lot of women taking advantage of, a lot of o- overdosing on drugs, a lot of problems. It wasn't all peace and love, and hate Ashbury in San mm. Francisco. There's a thing where George Harrison he goes to visit 
And then he, he walks around there and after like a couple hours he's like this is disgusting. You know? he, oh yeah? He goes, he goes away and he stops taking drugs because of what he sees. Yeah, you know, it's sad. It was sad. So it was it was such an interesting time in America. It was mm. perfect time to preach. Mm. <laughs> because, you know, you had all these young people the older people weren't very pleased with the young people, by the way. Mm. You know, it wasn't all they were, uh, you know, yeah. Okay, so in verse 8, uh, uh, so I think I read, well, I read something like this, but it says, Lord Krishna descends for the specific purpose of mitigating the anxieties of the pure devotees who are very anxious to see him in his original Vrindavan pastimes. Therefore, the prime purpose of the Krishna avatar is to satisfy his unalloyed devotees. Okay, so verse 9. One who knows, this is also a very famous verse, probably quoted it very often. One who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, does not upon leaving the body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, O Arjuna. And Prabhupada writes, The Lord descends from his transcendental abode, um, is already explained in the sixth verse. One who can understand the truth of the appearance of the personality of God is already liberated from material bondage. And therefore, he returns to the kingdom of God and immediately after quitting this present material body. So here, Prabhupada is really encouraging us. Right? It's encouraging words. Such liberation of the living entity from material bondage is not at all easy. Okay, so <laughs> encourage us. Then he, oh. <laughs> Don't get excited. Yeah, and then here we go. The impersonalists and the yogis attain liberation only after much trouble and many, many births. Even then the liberation they achieve, merging into the impersonal Brahma Jyoti of the Lord, is only partial, and there is the risk of returning to this material world. But the devotee, simply by understanding the transcendental nature of the body, and activities of the Lord attains the abode of the Lord after end ending this body and does not run the risk of returning to this material world. So now, of course, the, the question that always comes up is, well, what does it mean to know? <laughs> right? Because yeah. it says here, one who knows the transcendental nature. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Simply by understanding the transcendental nature. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. of course, obviously it's a deep understanding. And then here's that point about the, that we that we were talking about, you know, how people would have trouble understanding the different incarnations. Although there are many transcendental forms of the Lord, they are still one and the same supreme personality of God. Yeah. The, the simple example Prabhupada gave is, uh, if, let me ask you guys, Arjuna and uh, Mohan, if you have a candle, and then you light a lot of other candles, are they equal, or is the original candle stronger? Or are they all equal? They're all equal. Yeah, that's right. They're all equal. Yet still, one was the original. Mm -hmm. And that's Krishna. Mm -hmm. According to Srila Jeeva Goswami. But you're right. They're, once they're lit, they're all equal like that. Mm -hmm. Good. You guys, you guys get 100%. This verse also can um, be, well, I don't know. I can see it as being um, like something even if you know Krishna's, like we, we know Krishna's pastimes, we hear of Krishna's, so once we know, even once we know that a little bit, then the next body we take will most likely be a devotee body and we continue to have that, continue to have that knowledge. So 
even in that we would still would make we would still attain Krishna eternally in that way. Oh, that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, and if we really get make advancement and we get the blessings of Krishna and Krishna's devotees, we can go back to God in this life. Mm. But you're right; you can you can do it that way, as you just said, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions on this? Okay. So, text ten is another famous verse. Mm. And one that I really like, um, Vita Raga Bayokroda, being freed from attachment, fear, and anger, okay, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many, many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me, and thus they all attained transcendental love for me. So knowledge leads to love, mm -hmm. right? Okay. So now this purport is just crazy amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, I. I wish we had the time to just go through it, you know, line by line. But he, he, he explains three kinds of fearful people, because it says attachment, fear, and anger. Mm -hmm. So, um, let's see. He said, generally people are attached to the bodily conception of life. Uh, wait, who are attached to the bodily conception of life are so absorbed in materialism that it is almost impossible for them to understand how the Supreme can be a person. Mm. And then a little later on, so listen to this carefully. Furthermore, there are many persons who cannot understand spiritual existence at all. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? Yes. Being embarrassed by so many theories and by contradictions of various types of philosophical speculations, they become disgusted or angry and foolishly conclude there is no Supreme cause and that everything is ultimately void. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you say, oh, come on, there's so many different religions in this world, and they all, they all say the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah, or they contradict it, you know. <sighs> you know, how do I, how am I supposed to know which ones are right, you know? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. 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 I have a friend like that who studies, like you're talking about a practitioner or like a philosopher, I mean, mm -hmm. a, what is it? Academic? Yeah. And she has her PhD in religion. She said, like, she studied so many that now she's ruined for it. Like, oh, yeah? She feels like she could never be devoted because she knows too much about too many. That's exactly <laughs> that, you know? That's the experience that she's had. I'll say, yeah, I have an answer. Yeah. 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 And, and, yeah. And then it doesn't help at all when, you know, headlines are always full of, not always, but yeah. often full of uh, spiritual leaders who... You know, just like uh, during the, the flooding of Houston with Joel Ep <laughs> Yeah, Austin. Austin, yeah. <laughs> right? You, you know about that? What happened? Joel Austin, he... he, he uh, his, what happened to him? He, well, he got in trouble um, because at first, uh, when they, at first he didn't open up his temple to people who were suffering because of the uh, hurricane. And he gave like an excuse that um, it was unaccessible because the highway was flooded. But then they took a aerial aerial picture and the highway wasn't, highway wasn't flooded at all. But he has like this mega church he that could this, have like housed so He has like so the size of the people. Superdome. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you know. 16,000 people. Yeah. Oh, I used to watch it every Sunday. Oh. Right, so that's how he got in um, trouble. Um, and uh, I think people were waiting to pounce on him for something, you know, yeah. cause, because he's very, very wealthy. You know, has you know mega mansions and all this stuff. Fancy hair. <laughs> yeah, well, fancy hair. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but anyway, that. So uh, what was my point? Okay, so that's yeah, and it's, it's kind of, What I like to say to people, I think you may have heard this, me say this before, is okay. So you're saying there's so many different paths, right? I said, well, listen, it's like like someone is going off to college and they've been accepted at all these good schools. And they say, well, Harvard's really good, and Yale's really good, and Brown's really good. They're all so good, I don't think I'll go to any of them. Mm. I said, does that make any sense? Mm. <laughs> <Interesting>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> doesn't to me. What, no. What's the point? <laughs> the point is that, you know, finds, uh, you can't just say, oh, they, there's so many different faiths, so uh, I'm not going to follow any faith. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's the point. Mm -hmm. I should give you faith that there is something worth looking mm -hmm. for. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, um, find something and find something that's... And then we, we can say, okay, you don't have to accept Krishna consciousness. That's all right. But um, find something that will actually develop your love for God. Yeah. And then we can define what we understand love of God is. Love, love of God is, and we would paraphrase this verse, anyabhilasitasunyam, that it means you have... That ideally, you have no other desire except to serve God, your heart, with your mind, with your heart, you know. Uh, and specifically, you don't, you know, you're free from selfish desires mm -hmm. and activities that are of a selfish nature. Mm -hmm. So whoever is teaching you that, mm -hmm. go for that. You know, Prabhupada was always saying, like, uh, like we're non-sectarian, if you're a Christian, if you're Muslim, you can just be a better Christian. Right. But do you, have you found that practically? Because I feel like it seems like we have devotees and then we have non-devotees. Yeah, well, that's... The, but it was interesting because especially in the early days of the... Um, of when Prabhupada was giving initiations and he came upon... Um, and he, at every initiation, they go over the ten offenses against the Holy Name. Mm -hmm. and, and the first offense is to blaspheme a devotee who has dedicated their life to spreading God consciousness. So Prabhupada, in that, in, especially in the early lectures, would include all, other, all the faiths, mm -hmm. not just... A Hare Krishna devotee, in, oh, in, as someone who you should not blaspheme. Mm. His concern, his main concern about Christianity, was the meeting eating, mm. that you know thou shalt not kill, uh, you know, and he Prabhupada very clearly extended that to the animal kingdom, mm -hmm. and also would also you know quote that uh, um, the tenth canto verse. That you know, it's very, very difficult to be God conscious if you're, you know, eating. You know, if your if your dinner plate has violence. Mm -hmm. yeah. What verse is that again? Uh, do you know? It's about. Um, it's in the tenth canto. I can't remember. I, have to, I could look it up though. Um. So, so that was that was his. Uh, oh, the other thing he he said was he was obviously talking about Catholicism, I don't know if Protestantism has the same idea of, um, you would know maybe, of, uh, you know, the confession, and then being cleared, yeah. So, you know, he, he would be critical of, and, and even, in, you know, let's face it, to be fair to Catholicism, was it, I think after they said, they would say, okay, sin no more, mm. right? But then they'd be back to confessing the next week, mm. and getting washed, you know. Mm. So that's the example of the elephant in the uh, nectar of instruction, who takes a nice bath? You ever seen an elephant elephant take bath? Yeah, and afterwards they sometimes roll in the dirt. Yeah, they do that. 
<laughs> so that's that's what. Horses do that too. What's that? Horses do that too. Horses. Do that? Uh, young men do that also. So that was uh, his main concern. So mm. yeah. So I always like Ravinda Supru talks about this so nicely that this verse. Is the perfect non sectarian just, just, um, his point is that in most faiths, and he, he gave a whole 24 lectures on this topic, um, there's a, there's a kitri, a, 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 a mixture of bhakti, sometimes gan, you know, of God being this impersonal energy, and sometimes karma. You know, oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, kind of thing, right? And it gets all entangled like a rope with three strands. And Rupa Goswami has unentangled the rope and shown the three different strands. Mm. Right. right. So karma is either either totally selfish or doing religious activities for a materialistic goal. Gyan mm -hmm. is uh, the idea of a voidistic or impersonal understanding, and bhakti is separate from that. It's doing activities only for God's pleasure. And so that, it can be a fantastic platform for interfaith dialogue. Mm. You know, uh, because often, and I remember Ravinda said this, Ravinda Superbu said this one line that, and I don't know which Christian faith he was talking about, but he said sometimes the Christians that people, the Christian philosophizes is different than the God that he prays to. Sometimes the philosophy can be a little impersonal, mm. but the prayer is very, and the services and stuff are very personal. Mm. Uh, I don't know uh, details enough uh, about that. Yeah. So, so in that sense, I find that to be a great platform to have a really philosophical discussion about what is bhakti, mm. or what does love mean mm. in spirituality, and it really means, you know, um, surrender, mm -hmm. basically. After hearing you uh, speaking, it um, doesn't matter anyone follows any faith, but if they have ill feeling about the other faith, then that's, it becomes violent. That's a problem. It, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't matter, even if it is Vaishnava. Yeah. Mm. If we are following our own, but we become very inimical towards other faiths, then it turns into violence. It's usually a sign of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's usually a sign of insecurity. Yeah. I mean, um, my sister-in-law is born again Christian. Acha. My God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. She has two children, five and seven. She just brainwashed them. They came to our house in uh, Illinois, and they were looking and said, "He's a faith god." Like they were pointing to the Krishna devotee. <laughs> so she's it's just brainwashing them, like, like yeah. uh, only Jesus. All others are like. Fake and chopped cabbage. Yeah, yeah. Chopped cabbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's not good because when they grow up, they won't have proper life. No, that's not good. Of course, they may reject also. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, we'll see. Uh, time will tell. Um, yeah. No, we should be respectful, yeah. and at the same time, you know, you can be respectful and say, you know, um, I really appreciate this and this, but I really have a problem with the mediating thing because from our scriptures, it's understood. Mm. And and why don't you know you might consider trying, mm. you know, to uh, be vegetarian for a month and see how you know your feelings towards God, 
remain the same or increased. Mm. And of course, it's more than being a vegetarian to actually offer your food. You know, <laughs> we what? Well, the question might be then: What is unique about Krishna consciousness? Because you know, anyone in sales knows that you have this uh, uh, USP, unique selling point, <laughs> right? You're supposed to have a USP in sales. Well, for me, when I got into nursing, um, I was immediately, even the dean of the school said, you know, I watched you uh, on the floor, and he says you're good at mental health. And mental health is, you know, spiritual health. But anyways, it all has to do with the mind. And even my mother, when I was their age, she'd say it's all between your ears. Uh -huh. Okay? So when I read The Perfection of Yoga, and they were address, uh, addressing... Um, the mind in there, and uh -huh. uh, I like to add, uh, I think it's like kind of a rascal, you know, mm -hmm. and I was so identified with it, and so just, I mean, it ran rampant, and I went with it. I was mm -hmm. part of the, the fire that went with it, right. until I realized what was going on, and then when I read Perfection of Yoga, I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> and for these Christians... You know, this is what they're missing out on. Yeah. You know, completely always falling, always failing. Well, if, I don't know if I should say it that way, but I mean, just, just uh, uh, for me, it wasn't in victorious life at all. You know, it was always just, yeah, just so helpless to the with the mind, the winds of the mind. Yeah. You know, and you know, starting to uh, the chanta maha mantra, uh, just started changing all that. Right. Like. Well, I, you know, just what I pr uh, pretend this is a, a cooler, a, a, a freezer that a restaurant has, and they turn it down to freezing, you know, to, to, to freeze whatever products, I would say meat, but anyways, and you get locked in there. Well, that was my life. I was locked in there. And just before the point of death, somebody came to the door and unlocked and left me out. Do you know how much joy that is? <laughs> think that you're going to die in that that situation you know so the the mind for me one of the biggest things is how it addressed what a mm. character what a rascal what a whatever the mind so is. the understanding of the mind yeah yeah so yeah, so that's, that's a good point that's a good point so in the west the mm. unique sell one of the unique selling points is just the whole philosophy about you're not your body you're the soul you know um you're not your mind you know, the Sankhya kind of stuff, like chapter, verses 11 to 30 of the second chapter that we studied, mm -hmm. right? And now, um, so that can be quite unique. Mm -hmm. People haven't heard that much of it. But it's not actually totally unique. Mm -hmm. uh, Buddhism would have something similar to that. Uh, Jainism, um, other parts of Hinduism other than Vaishnavism would, would have that as well. So it is unique to a lot of people. Like for me, it was totally like, oh. You know, wow. Um, but I think the unique thing of Krishna consciousness specifically is Krishna as a person. Yeah, for me yeah, that was the, the relationship. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm growing up in India, I Buddhism and Advaita Vedanta and stuff. When mm -hmm. I read Prabhupada, I thought, well, God's actually personal. Like, just like I can meet God just like I meet you. Right. It totally blows the mind. <laughs> and, and it's it's the biggest challenge to um, to our false ego, our false sense of self, because it's a whole. If God is a person, there's a whole. Um, what's the word? There's there's a whole bunch of stuff you have to do if you actually believe that. 
like listen to him. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and feed him, him love him, yeah. serve him. It's yeah, so, you know, if you really believe that, you got you know, it's it's a heavy knowledge. So the fact that God's a person, and and, and of course, uh, specifically, 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 is his Brindavan pastimes. Mm. That's unique. Mm. And you know that we have, we know his phone number, his email address, all of his friends, right? We know everything. We know those details about God, Krishna. Mm. You know, we know where he goes to hang out and, you know, put on his shorts and, you know, ch chillax, <laughs> right? Because that's Vrindavan. That's, that's a concept I'm still working on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just accepting a blind faith type thing, but from the analytical mind that, like, you know, that I've talked about, it's still, you know, it's not that I don't, it's... I could probably get on that cup quicker than what you're telling me. Right, you know, right, right. Past times. Yeah. Uh, type thing. Yeah. But, uh, but that, and that is, that is uh, a challenge because um, it's like uh, when a definition of love is, uh, this is also from Ravinda Suprabhu, is allowing the other person to be. Mm. So that's who Krishna is. He says, listen, like it or lump it, that's who I am. I, 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 I I live in Vrindavan and I have the gopis and the cowherd boyfriends and Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda and Nandagram and Varshana and all these holy places and, you know, horrible. Yeah. Right? So, so, uh. Well, well one of the ten offenses, though, is like to not superimpose one's imagination, right? I forget the exact Yes. Right? Yeah. Because, like, I was just thinking, so, you know, you talk about the mind and stuff, so. I remember something really bad happened to me uh, several uh, years ago in life, and I just sort of like got. I was pissed off at Krishna. I was like, you know, trying to go through this. Uh, yeah, it's all I was like, and I just thought that what this this whole thing doesn't make any sense. Blue coward boy has ridiculous scooters. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was too proud. You know, I used to chant my rounds in the morning, and I was uh. too proud to like break my vow. So I uh -huh. said that. I don't believe all this crap, but I'm going to sit down and do my rounds anyway. <laughs> so I sat down and I chanted, but that was the best round I chanted up then. Really? Yeah. And then I just sat, and then I remember looking at the Ten Offenses and I thought, yeah, maybe I'm just, there's too much of it in the mind, the imagination, oh, over and all and this and stuff. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just got to listen to the mantra and just chant. Mm. Mm. That's, yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and also, um, it's the Ninth Offense is to instruct people on these intimate pastimes of the Lord who don't have that faith. Right. Then they'll then they'll they'll say oh, Christians like that. But there are philosophical things that can help um, to understand the Vrindavan uh, more. One is that um, but well all the all the relationships that you read in in Krishna book and all that, it's all just totally permeated with bhakti, with love. Yeah. So, and uh, Prabhupada gives the example also of, um, I guess it's a famous story in uh, during the British Raj that uh, this uh, gentleman was going to see the viceroy, who was viceroy was basically the queen or the king's representative for India, and uh, Lord Zet. No, it wasn't Lord Zetland. It was anyway going to see this big person. And he, he went to the uh, office, and the secretary said, well, wait right now. He's busy right now. Who would come to see 
Uh, some, some person. He's the Prime Minister of uh, Britain, and one big guy goes to meet him. Okay. And the uh, guard says, you have to wait, he's busy inside. Yeah. So he's waiting, waiting for an hour. Even after one hour also, nothing happened. So he goes and peeks into the keyhole to see what he's doing. Actually, he's playing with his grandson. Grandson is sitting on him and say, hey, horsey, go, like that. Yeah, riding him. He's the British Prime Minister, so big and I mean, at that time, they were ruling half the world. So, yeah, so that's, <laughs> in other words, um, or, or, or a judge, right? A judge is sitting there, you know, uh, sending some people to the gallows and some people setting them free and everyone's saying, Your Honor. Or in, in, in India, they say, uh, My Lord. They say, That's what they call it, My Lord, right? Um, but then he goes home, yes. right? And then he has loving relationships with his kids and, and intimate relationships with his wife. But for the average person, it's just, my Lord, my Lord. Mm -hmm. So Vrindavan is when he's, Krishna's no, saying, okay, I had enough of this my Lord stuff. And I want to be, you know, let my hair down and play, you know, play with equals. So, so it's, it's so, it's actually such advanced God consciousness that. Um, you don't even know that he's God. Right. Yeah. You just, they just love him. The gopis couldn't care less if Krishna's God. Right. Mm -hmm. They just absolutely love him. And they're the best devotees. It's also interesting, right? The highest devotees of all are women. Mm. The yeah. highest of the highest of the highest right. women. Mm. And uh, they just absolutely love him. So so we can have con conjugal relationships, but God can't. Mm. We can have friendships. We can play around, goof around, joke around. and But we're not going to allow Krishna to do that. No, he's mm. got to be just like the way we think he should be. Mm. Right? <laughs> right? Mm. Or, you know, uh, yeah, like that. So that's some way of having some appreciation for Vrindavan. He, that, and that's that point about letting the Lord be. Who's going to stop Krishna from having Vrindavan past lives? Mm. <laughs> yeah. mm. But he does sometimes, you know, do things like, you know, show the universes in front of Mother Yashoda's mouth, <laughs> right? Or, uh, you know, um, kill huge, powerful demons or, you know, like oh, that. Wow. Yeah, hold the mountain. Yeah, what's yeah, being holding a mountain? With it. No big he doesn't deal. even use his right hand. He uses his left hand. Finger. Doesn't use his index. He uses his pinky. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweet. And the only time it was, uh, it um, and you can. This is also very natural, like us, right? Uh, so the only time it's it was a little unsteady. It like it might fall. Because he Stoke, was Stoke, Stoke. Oh, yeah. what is that when like Stoka starts chanting the mantra or something? No, like, this is when when he was checking out Radharani. And Balaram noticed, and smiled. <laughs> right. I wasn't checking out in you know in love, not in the other, that's the other thing. The other thing about the Vrindavan pastimes is they're totally innocent. They are the supreme innocence. There's no loss, there's no, it's the most innocent of innocence, and it's just exchanging pure love. Okay, so on that note, oh wait, we still didn't do this. This is so nice, so I'm going to, so we haven't even finished this purport. I knew we weren't going to finish this whole chapter today. It's impossible, it's such an important chapter. So, uh, they become angry. Such people are in a diseased condition of life. Some people are too materially attached and therefore do not give attention to spiritual life. Right? Mm -hmm. We've seen that. You know, the, 
the goal of their life is to have a designer clothing or whatever, you know. Uh, some people, oh, I read that, some of them want to merge into the supreme spiritual cause, and some of them disbelieve in everything, being angry at all sorts of spiritual speculation out of hopelessness. This last class of men take to the shelter of some kind of intoxication, and their affective hallucinations are sometimes accepted as spiritual vision. This is, my, this is a line I really love. One has to get rid of all three stages of material consciousness. Attachment to material life, fear of a spiritual personal identity, and the conception of void that arises from frustration in life. To get free from these three stages of the material conception of life, one has to take complete shelter of the Lord, guided by the bona fide spiritual master, and follow the disciplines and regulative principles of devotional life. And how fast is it? In the next paragraph it says, by the slow process of devotional service. It's, it's, well, everything's relative. What he means there is it's gradual, right? But in the, um, Krishna also says, Bhavami Nachara Parta, right? He says, I'm the quick deliverer in the ocean of birth and death. But the idea is that even Srila Prabhupada once said it took him 30 years to chant to his perfection, you know, to the level that he was at when he was with us. 30 years. Yeah, 30 years of japa. That might have been his humility, but it was, you know, he obviously said it for instructing us. So the next verse, very, very, very important verse. Could we uh, mellow out that sunlight? Oh, yeah. It's right in my eyes. Um, very, very important verse. As all surrender unto me, I reward them accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects. Mm. So the one time reporter asked Prabhupada, how many followers do you have? <laughs> and he said, unlimited. <laughs> some know it and some don't. And, and he was referring to this verse. Because wow. everyone follows Krishna's path one way or the other. Mm. Either the material energy or the spiritual energy, but everyone's following the path one way or another. <laughs> And that's why Prabhupada says everyone is searching for Krishna in the different aspects of his manifestation. Mm. Some of them are looking for Krishna in the football games, and some of them are looking for him in classical music, or you know, and some of them are looking for him. For those who are fruit of workers, this is later in the purport, the Lord awards the desired results of their prescribed duties as the Yageshwara. And those who are yogis seeking mystic powers are awarded such powers. In other words, everyone is dependent for success upon his mercy alone. And all kinds of spiritual processes are but different degrees of success on the same path. So that was pretty much a uh, nice conclusion of our little interfaith discussion we just had, right? Mm. That everyone, you know, they're all, they're, they're, there's different uh, mm. degrees along the path that we're at. Mm. Uh, the advantage of Krishna consciousness, it's kind of like taking a fast elevator instead of an escalator once speak of the stairs. Right? But, but we don't criticize those people who are taking the stairs. Unnecessarily criticize. Unless, therefore, one comes to the highest perfection of Krishna consciousness, all attempts remain imperfect. <clears throat> so this is uh, Krishna's kindness that he, as... We surrender unto him, he rewards us accordingly. 
Although in so many places, Shila Prabhupada would say he's more kind than he. We take one step towards him, he takes a hundred or a thousand or whatever steps towards us. So he has this. So here, it, it, this is all. This whole verse is about reciprocation. Yeah. How you guys doing? Bored to death? <laughs> How come you have a that designer and he? You both have designer jackets, but he has Under Armour and you have Nike. This is on sale. <laughs> oh, okay. It's on sale. That's a good reason. And that was given as a gift. Okay, that's a good reason. You can go to China and get them all for like a dollar. Yeah, but they're not actually <laughs> made by that company. <laughs> okay. Shall we sally forth? Yeah. Text 12. Yes. Men in this world desire success and fruit of activity. So, you know, and Krishna's going to reciprocate with them, but how is he going to do it? They and, and therefore they worship the demigods quickly, of course, men get results from fruit of work in this world. Mm-hmm. So, the Vedic system was, you didn't just go out, eat, drink, and be merry. You got your material desires fulfilled by acknowledging that the demigods can do that. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not, again, fully spiritual, but it was, you know, this acknowledgement of a different path, mm-hmm. different path. Just like you were saying, you know, when you grow up in a certain way, you know, those two, your uh, niece and nephew or nieces or whatever. Um, so similarly, you were brought up in the Vedic culture. You understood there's demigods. Yeah. So like, a, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, there's demigods. Um, so here it says you get a quick result um, from them. And then the next verse, um, what was there anything that verse? Oh, Prabhupada writes, The Supreme God is one, Krishna, and the demigods are delegated with powers to manage this material world. Mm. So just like uh, the pantheon in, um, in Greek times, and you know, there's ideas of demigods in many, many cultures. Society just got a taste of it last year with the movie Moana. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Right. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maui. Maui's the demigod. Pol- Polynesian. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that a cartoon from us? Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 you didn't know so much about the cartoon. <laughs> You're both like, oh, cartoon. Are you judging me by the 65-year-old? <laughs> no, no. I'm riding around in? <laughs> Car- I'm still a boy inside. <laughs> no, but cartoons are, these oh, days, yeah. uh, they're not cartoons. They're animation, animated oh. movies. Right. And uh, some of them have really good messages. I saw um, Inside Out. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good one. That's like right mind. out of the Gita. Yeah. Almost, yeah. right? Because, you know, you got your mind, you got your intelligence, you know, you got the, oh, these. Yeah, these, I mean, uh, you see that. <laughs> yeah. I watched it on a flight. I was like, that's Disney. Is it a cartoon? Yeah. Is it a cartoon? Yeah, yeah it's Disney. It's an yeah. animation, not cartoon. So, which one am I missing? Which one am I missing? In and out. Inside, inside, out, inside, out. inside out, yeah. It has, it, it, it's almost Gita, the way, because because the mind um, and uh, the different parts of your nature become personified. Yeah. Well, the right? Trolls movies has the whole concept of the soul. Too, Which one? Which one? Oh, yeah. Trolls. <laughs> now they're awake. Now they're engaged. 
You know? <laughs> it really does. They have the little soul, and like everything goes out of their body, like their whole con, like everything goes away, and then when it like comes back, it like lights them up, and then their hair turns back the same color. It's the whole oh, yeah. soul. I was just taking care no, of three kids, and and they led me to the trolls. Oh yeah. Yeah, because we start out every morning with Moana. We uh, I know the way or something like that, and then Maui sings "Thank You." You're welcome. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like I did all this stuff for you, you know. I cool you down, I heat you up, I give you the water, I give you the, you know, whatever. He says, and I know you just want to say thank you. He's like, you're welcome. Uh-huh. Anyway, well, so, that's so, it, so, it so. is. Like well, it's funny because that's what Demi, you know, Demi program is pretty much. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Mm. Um, unless you can worship them, and I think we mentioned this last week in a devotional way, mm. like Bar Maharaj did in the fifth canto of the Bhagavatam. Uh, as angas of Krishna, limbs of Krishna. Would that be the same as women worshiping Durga for good Krishna conscious husbands? Yes, the uh, uh, Katyayani Brat, it's called. It happens just after Kartik. And uh, it's a very, yeah, it's a very spiritual thing. The gopis are praying to have Krishna as their husband. So, yeah. But it's a little different than going to the demigods and say, uh, I'd really like a guy who's really rich <laughs> and has a green card <laughs> or better citizen, you know, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Can I get a citizenship and a black card? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so this verse, okay, it's 13. I said 16, but 13, this is an important verse. So this is about Varnashram. According to the three modes of material nature, so that again, that's material, not spiritual, right? Mm-hmm. And the work associated with them, right? Because Brahmins are more in the mode of goodness, Gatriyas and passion, uh, Vaishas, passion and ignorance, and you know, Sudras, ignorance. Um, and the work ascribed, associated with them, the four divisions of human society are created by me. And although I am the creator of this system, now this English is a little tricky, but we'll explain it. And although I am the creator of this system, you should know that I am yet the non-doer being unchangeable. So he's not affected by the system. He's unchangeable. And what he's basically saying here is, I created the system, but where you're placed in the system is not because of me. Mm. It's because of you. Mm. <laughs> you have to take responsibility for your previous activities, your karma. Mm. Yeah, mm. like that. That's what he's saying here. Text... 14. There is no work that affects me. So here Krishna is saying, I am not affected by karma. Don't think I'm part of the material energy. Mm. Right? There, there's one, Srila uh, Prabhupada would use this word, rascal, who translated uh, the Ramayan. And when he said that, just see, the material energy is so strong that even Lord Ram is in Maya uh, lamenting after the loss of his wife. What? <laughs> when she was kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Who? Sita, right? Wasn't Sita captured? Wasn't it? Who who was kidnapped? Was it Sita? Sita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I got it right. Yeah. Oops, sorry. Um, so Krishna says, there's no work that described me, nor do I aspire for the fruits of action. I'm not, every one of us is trying to get something out of this world. Krishna doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One who understands this truth about me, now this is really an interesting sentence. One who understands this truth about me also does not become entangled in the fruit of reaction of work. Mm. Okay? So um, that means when you understand, a, when we get some grasp of the quality of Krishna's, to some extent we 
attain that quality. Mm. So when we understand that Krishna is not of this world and transcendental to it, we become transcendental to it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's an important that's point. Really, really amazing. Yeah. What happened to our DK and his wife? Oh, they had to go because they're doing um, a Nepali uh, recitation of oh, the Gita. And they right. were oh, the Gita, with that's that, right. Okay, so, yeah. I was wondering. Was, was it something I said? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's happening in yeah. yeah. Do you guys know Bang, uh, Nepali? No? Uh, like, it's kind of funny because whenever you go to Nepal, no one speaks in Nepali. Everyone speaks in Hindi. Really? And then, like, me, no? mo- mo- majority, yeah, most people do. <laughs> really? Yeah, so, like, even, like, so many times, like, we went, I remember one time, it's a water park, an amusement park, and, there were like buses from like kids from India on like school trips and they would drive in mm. and they would like go to like the park and the park have fun and everyone around would know Hindi. Mm. So like when I went there, everyone in, on my dad's side would know Hindi. Oh, okay. Do you speak Hindi? I know. Like I can't like speak, like I can sort of speak it. Okay. But like I can understand it. Cool. All the liberated souls in ancient times acted with this understanding of my transcendental nature. This understanding about how, yeah, how Krishna is transcendental, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, you should perform your duty following in their footsteps. So back, so he's bringing it back to fight. <laughs> Do your duty, right? Even the intelligent, well, this is really interesting, these next few verses, are bewildered in determining what is action and what is inaction. Because we know on, on, on a certain level, oh, yeah, that's easy. You ask anybody on the street, what's that? Action is when you're moving around doing something. What's in action when you're sitting still? Mm. What's the problem? Mm. Well, now I shall explain to you what action is, knowing which you shall be liberated from all misfortune. So if it was that easy, we'd, everyone in the world would be liberated. <laughs> mm. It's not that easy. Uh, the intricacies of action are very hard to understand. So... You know, when people say, well, you know, um, there was a bus crash and 50 people were injured or died. Um, I just said, was that everyone's karma? You know, how is it? But here it says they're very difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. Therefore, one should know perfectly what action is. Okay, so that's called karma. Forbidden action, that's called the karma. And inaction is a karma. So karma, um, action... The karma, um, forbidden action, and a karma, no action. One who sees inaction, in action. So, in other words, you're busy serving Krishna, but you're not getting any karma. Mm-hmm. So that's inaction, even though you're doing action. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. And action in inaction. So even if you're sitting around doing nothing, but you're not serving Krishna... You're breathing in microbes. You're killing people that way. You have to eat something. You're stepping on the leaves. You're, you know the, the ants or whatever. So there's action even in inaction. Is intelligent is intelligent among men, and he is in the transcendental position, although engaged in all sorts of activities. Hmm. I never uh, understood that verse that way before. I, I totally have been misunderstanding no, that it. verse. Well, I don't think I fully understand it now, but what do you I misunderstood it. Like, I always thought that it meant that um, uh, 
like in action in action meaning like when we see people like in the daily grind like going to work and back and we see like they're not there's not actually any spiritual action there well and then i thought like action action like like someone could say to us like you're just sitting and chanting for two hours you're doing nothing but actually that is action i've totally misunderstood that so you were, you were totally karma. wrong, but you, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the gist of it. Yeah. yeah, so in action, in action, in space, action. Right, so you're acting, but you're not getting any karma. Right. So that's called a karma in the purport. A karma means without reaction to work. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other person is, th- they, they think that they're being inactive, but actually there's action there. Right. Right. Mm. Right, they're getting karma. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Sure. <laughs> and how do you get rid of it? Prabhupada writes in the purport, the sense of eternal servitorship to Krishna makes one immune to all sorts of reactionary elements of work. Do you guys know what the word immune means? Yeah, yeah. it's like you can't, like, like, like you can't, like, you can't get that disease, right? Yeah. yeah, so here it says the mood of serving Krishna makes us immune to all karma reactions. Mm. What's that? That seems hard to understand. Like, if we just we just understand and have the mood of service of Krishna, then we still have to act like that. Like we have yeah, because... If we're just serving Krishna for his pleasure, well, there's no karma. There's... Yeah, it doesn't make us immune. It doesn't mean like we can just... No, we're not immune in the sense that you get your injection once and then you can go hang around with somebody with smallpox and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's a... Yeah, right, it's an ongoing injection. Yeah. Yeah, Krishna says... What's that? It's not a flu No, 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 it's not a flu shot. Yeah, right. Yeah. They don't work anyway, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I one time my doctor kind of forced me to do it, but they give out. They get mad for free at work, but I don't do it because it, it, it has some chicken. Egg. Egg. Yeah. Egg, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a you know. Uh, what is it? The is it uh, Jehovah's Witnesses that won't do any blood transfusions? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I obviously I had a blood transfusion when I had open heart surgery. Mm-hmm. No, um, things like that. Maybe I did. I, maybe they just used my blood. I don't know. But, um, uh, so, you know, we're practical, but I just haven't, you know, so I mean, there's some people that don't immunize their children at all, right? They think that that's the best thing health-wise. Did you guys get shots? I don't know, all kinds of shots. For school, you have to get shots. Yeah, at school, you have to, I think. Actually, I think it's like... But uh, my wife is saying that not all, but... There are many cases because of the shots when they give it 18 months and 12 months. They're getting AD, what is it? ADHD, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there may be, yeah. Obviously. My nephew has that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, my son was born in India and we just uh, spaced out. I think we never gave him. <laughs> <laughs> He's still alive. He's still alive. <laughs> no, I think we, you know, we were semi against the idea. Um, it's an interesting concept because you give the person part of the disease, yeah. right? Right, yeah. yeah. You know, in a very, uh, you know. Um, and I know there's a lot of controversy about it, but yeah. um, on both sides, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. We gave, he got his first shots, and I just think the, the, the um, hospital in Vrindavan was so kind of dirty and said, we just said, we're not going back there. Now it's, they have nicer hospitals. That was 26 years ago. Um, Krishna Mission Hospital or something. That's where he was born. Oh, that's where he was born? Yeah. 
You should was, ask a nun about that one time. It's like a horror story. I was there once. They operated something in my foot, you know. It was really horrible. Yeah. It was really bad. Well, that's where he was born. <laughs> <laughs> where were you guys born? Uh, I was born in Chile, Oh, yeah, all these cool, clean hospitals. Huh? <laughs> that also get what, you know, you can get sick in a hospital. When oh, I was, yeah. when I had my open heart surgery, surgeon said, okay, you got to get out of here. I was there for two days. You got to leave. You're going to get sick in the hospital. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I said, much better go home. Mm. No, here. Oh, Suburban hospital. I was born in the hospital. Both my parents were born. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Wow. wow. <laughs> Yeah, home births are the big deal, right? People like that. Yeah, Leesburg, and now I got shut down for lid or whatever. Uh huh. That's what's wrong with me. So we're we're on text twenty. Yeah. Abandon all attachment for the results of his activities. Okay, that's easy. Did we we finish nineteen? Yeah, we didn't do nineteen. Oh, sorry. Sorry. One is understood to be in full knowledge, whose every endeavor is devoid of desire for sense gratification. So you could put that in the positive. You could say, one who's understood me in full knowledge, who every endeavor is to please Krishna. Mm -hmm. He is said by sages to be a worker for whom the reactions of work have been burned up by the fire of perfect knowledge. Mm -hmm. So that's um, quite nice. So here's the idea of fire. I always like, you know, Krishna uses so many vivid uh, metaphors and analogies. So the re- his reactions to work have been burned up by the fire of perfect knowledge. So imagine, like, especially the thing, you know, who, who some of the things, that some of the animals that are really in bad shape in forest fires are snakes. Mm. Because they can't climb up so, uh, you know, get out of it. You know, yeah. cats can go right up yeah. top of the tree, real like, you know, right? Uh, dogs also probably have problems. Um, in the Shasta, we hear more about snakes. But anyway, so they their work... Is, it's all been burnt. Their reactions have all been burnt when they, uh, every endeavor is to please Krishna and not for sense gratification. Now, 20. Abandoning all attachment to the results of his activities. Ever, now this is interesting, right? So, you would think, you, you, you know, I'm abandoning the results of the activities. I'm going to be in so much anxiety. Here it says, uh, ever satisfied and independent. Mm. He performs no fruit of action, although engaged in all kinds of undertakings. So it's yeah. doing so many things, but for Krishna's pleasure. Right. right In the purport, Prabhupada writes, this freedom from the bondage of actions is possible only in Krishna consciousness, when one is doing everything for Krishna. Mm. I was really into the concept of freedom when I was becoming a devotee. I really liked when Prabhupada used that word, you know. It was a big deal in the 60s and 70s. A, a Krishna conscious person acts out of pure love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And therefore he has no attraction for the results of the, of the action. He is not even attached to his personal maintenance for everything is left to Krishna. Nor is he anxious to secure things nor to protect things already in his possession. He does his duty to the best of his ability and leaves everything to Krishna. So again, he doesn't mean he's, you know, not he, he doesn't lock his doors at night or, you know, or you know. No oil change for the car. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Text twenty-one. Such a man of understanding 
acts with mind and intelligence, perfectly controlled, gives up all sense of proprietorship over his possessions and acts only for the bare necessities of life. So, thus working, he is not affected by sinful reactions. So you know that song, Bare Necessities? <laughs> Yeah. Think I think I've seen Jungle it. Jungle Book. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So that's it. They got that from the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the idea of... Um, there, there was also, even in today, I didn't read it, but I saw it. Uh, my, I think my wife read it. I skimmed it. There's an article in the New York Times about a person who did a one year without shopping. You know, any kind of clothes. It was a woman. Clothes, jewelry, shoes, you know, something else. Like that. There, there, there's an adage. Uh, if you can't stay in this place, there's a small cabin. Without internet, without phone, without laptop, for one month, they'll give you $100,000. Really? Oh, yeah, I'd go for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll go, go over that, too. <laughs> 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 well, I it's saw that there was a guy, yeah. he said he hadn't spent any money for, I forget, Something like that, a year or two. Mm -hmm. You see a girl did it too. Yeah, this was in the uh, New York Times today. Yeah. Well, this was this was different. This was, I think you know, I think she's probably pretty well to do, and I think she you know food and stuff. And I don't think was on the list. Oh, okay. It was just anything shopping wise. Mm. Going to Whole Foods every day. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> what was the? But. Oh, sorry. No, no. No, I mean, what was the what was the purpose of the article? Of saying that. Um, well, you know, of course, this is a time when people are shopping, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just trying, I think it was trying to say that, you know, we have, we are very much a victim of uh, materialism mm -hmm. and so consumerism. This, this mm -hmm. guy said it was just like the most amazing free, free feeling mm -hmm. to not be engaged in purchasing. Mm -hmm. Well, you yeah. know, yeah. He said he didn't realize, you know, how addicted we are to... Yes, it's uh, it's it's a good point. Yeah, I was uh, yesterday. Uh, where was I? How did I end up in Virginia? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I know. I, you know, I just, you know, I, I travel so much. I so I um, I was coming back from uh, Dulles Airport to here, and I heard on the radio that just forget it. The American Legion Bridge is just two hour delay. So I um, turned off the other way and went to ended up at Tyson's uh, Mall, and just had my laptop and they have free Wi-Fi. So I was just there, and I was just I was walking around the mall for a few minutes and it's a very ritzy mall, you know, and uh, I was just thinking how this is what is the word phantasmagoria, but <laughs> it's just uh, you know it's just like the gla it's so glaring because it's really pretty this time of year the sand is there. And and it's it's not just like uh, you know old navy. It's like fancy shops, right? <laughs> and, and so, it, but it's all just the glitter yeah. of Maya. Just telling this is what's going to bring you happiness by buying this, or by buying that, or and of course so many places to eat, none of which were vegetarian. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and so all I did was all I was doing there was you know sitting there with my laptop, you know, eating some doing some service mm. but yeah I was thinking a little bit along such so you know fixed on uh, and and at least if, especially for well-to-do people the kids get a gift on Christmas it ends up on a shelf within a week Gen generally not, always, not every single time huh? 
Do you guys have get Christmas presents? No. No. I thought I got them like, like five years ago. I got them like two years ago. <laughs> 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 but we have a see. We have, we do, well, we do a program here at the temple, right? Secret Santa. Yeah. yeah. Right? And you're only allowed to spend a certain $20. amount of twenty dollars or less. Yeah. And you get the name of somebody, and you buy something for them, and then we have. Oh, it's online. Yeah, I got it online. last year. Yeah, what did you get last year? Oh, I I think I. I didn't get anything. Yes, I did. Yeah, you all got something. <laughs> you didn't get it. Uh, no, because generally the kids give it to the kids. Right. And oh. then Jonathan and Tosi weren't like they weren't there last year. Oh okay. So like. No, you you guys so, are matched with the two little girls. That so Sudevi so had to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she colored you. It's gonna be exciting. <laughs> you can get some good stuff. Such a person of understanding <laughs> acts with mind and intelligence perfectly controlled, gives up all sense of proprietorship over his possessions. Oh, we did that. Max only for the bare necessities of life. Mm-hmm. He who is satisfied with gain, which comes of its own accord, who is free from duality and does not envy who is steady in both success and failure, is never entangled, although performing actions. So do we, So you do, the, you do your best, and you leave it up to God for the rest. Mm. Not that you don't do your best. That's our contribution. We do our best. Mm. You know, but, you know. Krishna's in control. Yes. Mm. And then the work of a man who is unattached to the modes of material nature, and who is fully situated in transcendental knowledge, merges entirely into transcendence. Because they have knowledge and they're doing activities. So you see that's a combination of activities and knowledge. Mm. Um, this verse, well, okay, a person who is fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness, a little hard to understand this, is sure to attain the spiritual kingdom. That part's easy. Because of his full contribution to spiritual activities, that's also easy, mm-hmm. in which the consummation is absolute and that which is offered is of the same spiritual nature. So my understanding here is that what he's saying is the sadhya the sadhana and the sadhya are the same. So sadhana is the practice mm-hmm. and sadhya is the goal. Mm-hmm. So you chant Hare Krishna here and you glorify Krishna in the spiritual world. Mm. It's the practice and the goal are the same. You don't, it's not that oh. at some point you say, oh, okay, I don't need my beads anymore, Hare Bull. I'm, I've, I've reached perfection. <laughs> but no, even in the spiritual world, we're constantly talking about Krishna and glorifying Krishna. I heard this this verse is a uh, Mayavadi's verse. Well, they they can misinterpret it if they want to. No, when uh, when we when we went to a small town, my wife and I we both were chanting Mahaprasad going the before honoring the prasad. Oh, they were chanting this. Our grandmother started chanting this. Brahma Pranam Brahma Habir Brahmagna Brahmana Hutam Brahmaiva Bhutena Kantavya Brahma Karma Samadhinam. Yep. So when we were studying Bhagavad Gita, they said they told us to memorize this because Mayavad is quote too. Uh huh. Yes, so they do, but they misunderstand it, of course. And share with them the real yeah. meaning, Lord well, because they take Brahma as the impersonal. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So now these next verses, I wonder if we should try to do. We have uh, only five minutes. These next verses, um, they're they're very contextual. They're about the Vedic times mm. and the different kinds of sacrifices that were done in Vedic times. The only thing we really have to focus on is their ultimate goal is knowledge. Mm. And this chapter is called Transcendental Knowledge, Understanding Krishna. But I'm not going to get into a lot of details about what's in the purports of these. Okay. But we will read them. So 25. 
Some yogis perfectly, is that the right one? Yep. yep. Perfectly worship the demigods by offering different sacrifices to them. So that's the yogis. That's the demigod worshipers. And some of them offer sacrifices into the fire of the Supreme Brahman. So these are not on the level of bhakti. Some, the brahmacharis, sacrifice the hearing process and the senses in the fire of mental control. And others, the regulated Greek householders, sacrifice the objects of the senses into the fire of the senses. What does that mean? Next verse. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask that. <laughs> I um, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> That's well, right. the, like. <laughs> well we, basically he's talking about sex life here because the, the <laughs> objects of the senses in the fire, so we know what the object of the sense right? that's the opposite, you know, in this case, let's say um, seeing or touching or engaging with someone of the opposite sex, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, but they regulate it, right? And Prophet says in the purport, Marriage on the principle of religious life is therefore current in all civilized human society because that is a way for restricting sex life. This restricted, unattached sex life is also a kind of yagya because, or sacrifice, because the restricted householder sacrifices his general tendency towards sense gratification for higher transcendental life. So it's regulated. It's not just, hey, whenever you feel like it. Right. So that's what that means. And the brahmacharis, they... Um, they absorb themselves in hearing about Krishna and hearing the philosophy. Others who are interested in achieving self-realization through control of the mind and senses offer the functions of all the senses and the life breath as oblations into the fire of the controlled mind. So here it's about controlling the senses and the life airs. There's more in the life airs, I think, in another verse or two. Having accepted strict vows, some become enlightened by sacrificing their possessions, and others by performing severe austerities, by practicing the yoga of the Eightfold Mysticism, or by studying the Vedas to advance in transcendental knowledge. Still others, here's the breathing, who are inclined in the process of breath restraint to remain in trance, practice by offering the movement of the outgoing breath into the incoming and the incoming breath into the outgoing, and thus at last remain entranced, stopping all breathing. Others curtail the eating process, offer, uh, curtailing the eating process, offer their outgoing breath into itself as a sacrifice. And probably gives some description of these points here. Um, one can, a yogi can stop breathing at least for some time without dying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't know what this is, but you know, an inter- a simple thing about the ingoing outgoing is what is it? Pratiloma viloma? You know, we go. Mm-hmm. Right, that's one of the pranayams, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All these performers, all the people we just heard about, who know the meaning of sacrifice, become cleansed of sinful reactions. And having tasted the nectar of the results of sacrifice, they advance towards the supreme eternal atmosphere. O best of the Kuru dynasty, without sacrifice one can never live happily on this planet or in this life. What then of the next? Um, so this is that point that that we were making before. That modern man, we we uh, we try to find happiness without performing sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And what often happens is our sense enjoyment may increase, but our happiness eludes us. 
That makes sense. Yeah. We can get the sense, we can get all the all the cool things, you know, that are on sale now and all that, but does it bring happiness? Mm. All these different types of sacrifices are of sacrifice are approved in the Vedas, and all of them are born of different types of work. Knowing them as such, you will become liberated. O chastiser, the enemy, the sacrifice performed in knowledge, so this is the point, is better than the mere sacrifice of material possessions. After all, O son of Prita, all sacrifices of work culminate in transcendental knowledge. So we'll end it, we'll end there. We'll start at this very famous verse. And the next chapter is very short, 29 verses, so that will be the homework for... Now, wait, now, what, next week is 23rd? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so we will have class, yeah. And then uh, Christmas Eve is a Sunday open house, mm-hmm. like that. So there will be class next week. Okay? So that is it, thank you. What's the significance of it? I mean, like, what, what, what does that mean, like, some yogis worship? Demigods, well, different sacrifices. I mean, some offer sacrifices and fire the supreme Brahman. Uh, hold on, let me see if I have any notes. So, for instance, in, in Krishna consciousness, what, what is the. Uh... Well, these were all lower sacrifices, ultimate leading to transcendental knowledge, which leads us to Krishna. That's why I went through them so quickly. Um, but let me, I'll just see real quickly if I have any notes on that. That was 25? Yeah. Some yogis perfectly worship the demigods by offering. Well, this is from uh, that book that you had surrendered unto me. Uh-huh. Krishna will later explain that only those who are, quote, less intelligent worship demigods as if they were supreme or independently able to supply life's necessities. Demigods are empowered by Krishna to fill a, fulfill a worshiper's desires. Demigod worship will be discussed more in detail in chapters 7 and 9. We can worship the demigods properly, that's what I mentioned, uh, by understanding them as agents of Vishnu. Bharat Maharaj, as described in 5, 7, 5 to 7, provides a proper example of demigod worship. He worshiped the demigods, considering them as parts of the universal form of Lord Vishnu. So, so do we do that? I mean, like, no. do, do devotees do that? Uh, not generally. You probably really, there was a, in the nectar of, instru- uh, in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, there's a saying, there's a statement there that says that uh, if you worship Ganesh, you can, um, he can clear the path of bhakti for you. So when devotees asked about that, Prabhupada said, uh, you can do that if you send me $100,000 every month. <laughs> devotees, you know, very quickly said, no, that's okay. Um, he, he, he wanted to keep things simple. And really, if we want to do some worship in order to clear some obstacle, the best thing is to worship Lord Nishingadev, who also does that. Oh. But he's the Lord instead of a demigod, so it just makes things... But don't they say like worshiping Lord Nishingadev is a bit risky or something? Like oh, for, well, um, you shouldn't have a Ugra Nishinga if you're a Grihasta in your house. Oh. He's you know, the one who's ripping apart, you know. Right. You know, because that's not exactly... Um, that might increase the fighting between husband and wife. <laughs> <laughs> But the pacifier—we <laughs> have like a big picture like a right big now one. in our house. The the pacified <laughs> the pacified nishringa is more appropriate, where you know, uh, 
Yeah, your yeah, Lakshmi Singh or Pallad's offering. Yeah, Pallad But here, just the verse before that. Um, okay, so here, because in the next nine verses, so this is just bridge up to one sentence prelim. Krishna will explain to Arjuna that transcendental knowledge, ultimately about Krishna, ultimately about Krishna, is to be obtained through these sac. Oh wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah, is to be obtained through these sacrifices on austerities, all of which are typical in Vedic culture. So some of it is a little hard. I can't fully explain it, although Prabhupada does talk about them in the purport. There are things that we don't do in Krishna consciousness that are more Vedic. Uh, 